Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, Journey Church, if you're happy and you know it, and you feel Jesus in this place, come on, put your hands together, lift your voice. Why don't we embarrass the devil for a little bit? Come on, come on. Has he been good? Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Hey, <laughs> look what the Lord has done in Orlando. Orlando. It is marvelous. It is breathtaking in our eyes. Come on, if you're grateful for this worship team and all your volunteers, everybody serving over at J Kids, put your hands together for them. They're so good. Top notch. A spirit of excellence. Love these guys so much. You guys are incredible. You really are. You're bad. You're bad. You're nasty. Hey, brother, I grew up playing the drums. I grew up playing the drums, so I saw you doing that fill. So I'll be honest with you, during that third song, I had an eye on Jesus, and I was watching you too. I was watching, I was watching. I was like this, I like this. Good stuff. Man, just before you're seated, why don't you tell the person sitting on your left and on your right, I prayed all last night that I would sit next to you. Just go let them know, come on. I prayed all night I would sit next to you. God answered my prayers. He answered my prayers. Come on, grab your seat. We've got work to do today. Hey, right out of the gate, I'm making the assumption about the 1230 crowd. I'm making this assumption about you. Word on the street is that you are the most revved up, amped up, caffeinated up, fired up, revival in the air, filling people. And so, man, the nine o'clock start off strong, though I'll be honest with you, they start off strong. And then, and then last service did not disappoint But how many of you have come into the presence of God with the people of God ready to unpack the things of God, ready to receive all you can from God today? Come on. Are you really, or are you just playing around a little bit? Are you really excited to hear from God today? All right. Greetings from West Virginia, from my wife. She's back home. She's, she's uh, preaching at our church. I got a family picture for us. Her name's Jessica. She sends greetings. We've been married for almost 20 years, y'all. 20 years. And I love her so much, I've decided that if she ever left me, I'm going with her. I'm going with her. You call me Stalker Spice. I don't care. I don't care. I've got an 11-year-old daughter. She's around here somewhere, J-Kids or something, and then a six-year-old boy. And you can just tell by that look on his face, he ain't saved. He ain't saved. So you all pray for him. You all pray for him. I pray for your kids. You pray for mine. Together we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll just cuss under our breath together or something like that. But uh, Man, how many of you know that you have some great pastors here? A great leadership team. I love them. More than, more than like them, I love them and I deeply respect them. Um, I've been pastoring for 14 years now and I've seen a lot of pastors up close. And if we're honest about it, there are some pastors that we would call in West Virginia, 50 yarders, 50 yarders, where they look good from 50 yards away. But once you get up close, you start noticing some imperfections and some cracks in their integrity and in their character. What I so love and respect about your pastors is that the closer you get to them, the more genuine they are, the more real they are, the more authentic they are. 
your pastor and I have had the opportunity to be at some of the same conferences and workshops together. And I'll say this about him behind his back. The way he talks about you guys behind your back is filled with honor and respect. I think he actually loves you guys. I do. I do. And so kudos to Pastor JJ and Liz. Not only is he gifted with a mic, he's gifted off the stage. And, and, uh, and uh, the, the uh, preacher who can preach the house down has a pastoral heart. So you need to know that about them. I love them so much. I was telling, I was telling the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, 10.45 or um, whatever time slot that was, uh, that man, your pastors, they are strong, aren't they? They're strong, they're bold, they're faith demanding. That makes the couple outstanding. They are often imitated and simulated, but never will they be replicated or emulated. I say, pastor, you say JJ. Pastor, JJ. pastor, <laughs> it worked. Look at that. Come on, come on, put your hand over your heart. Let me pray for you. We've got some work to do today. Lord Jesus, help. God, I pray over myself in this moment that I will not present the word of God in a boring way. But Lord, I pray for the people that are about to hear it. Please, God, help them not be boring either. For there is nothing worse than being in the house of God with the people of God, unpacking the truth of God and somebody being boring. So help us to wake up, aliven up and get, get vamped up and spiritually caffeinated up as we receive from you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. I love the fact that you have a pastoral team who is who is intentional about leading you that the name of your church is not stop church <laughs> it's journey church they get they understand that life is a journey that where you are right now is not your end point. It's just the next step in this overall journey towards your destination. And so I was telling y'all earlier uh, that I did not come this weekend with a previously preached message. Matter of fact, I sent my notes late last night to your team and said, you know what? The more I think about it and the more I pray about it, the more I feel like God is stirring something new in my heart. I feel this for you. I feel, I feel that many of you, you are in a new season where you are, you are in a new season where you're asking God for things you never asked for before. You're in a new season of freedom. You're in a new season of pursuit. You're in a new season of, of, of a following Jesus. And the last thing you need is a pre-packaged message. And so new seasons require new work. And so, and so, and so I hope that Whoever needs to hear this, I hope that you receive it. You are in this series called Next Steps. Somebody say next. Say step. Say next. Say step. I have found this to be true in my life. Uh, that no matter how many next steps I take, no matter how many new seasons I walk in, if I don't bring a new mind into the new season, the new season will feel a lot like the old season. And as soon as a season starts to feel repetitive, or as soon as I start to feel like I have shrank back, that I have succumbed to the hurts and the habits and the hangups of the previous season, when one season begins to feel like the old season, my enthusiasm begins to erode. And now I'm face to face with tension and mental aggravation and frustration. I thought things were supposed to be better than what they are. After all, I'm stepping. I took my next step. I'm serving. I'm giving. I'm connecting. I'm worshiping. I'm praying. I'm memorizing. But if you don't develop a new mindset, a new season will begin to feel like an old season. Everybody say, grow up in your mind.
tell the person next to you, this year, would you please grow up? Just go ahead and come on, tell them. Tell them like you mean it. This year, please, please. <laughs> Let's do some work. There's a passive aggressive phrase that's been around for a while. It's an expression that allows us to be aggressive and assertive without the personal courage to be direct. Uh, in other words, it gives us the freedom to say what we want to say without looking at a person in the eye and telling them, this is for you, boo. And uh, that phrase, that phrase is this. I don't know who needs to hear this, but the truth be told, we know who needs to hear it. We just don't want to tell them. You know what I'm talking about? So for example, for example, let me give you a few of these. I don't know who needs to hear this. And if this resonates with you, holler at a boy. Let me know that you're feeling me on this. You say, amen, say, shout it, say, preach it, say, preach that funky message, white boy, whatever you want to say. Just let me know you're hanging with me. All right. Just let me know. Let let me know. It will look like this. (laughs) I don't know who needs to hear this, but pineapple does not belong on pizza. Come on. Hey, no, sir. No, sir. That ain't in the Bible. It's not. (laughs) It's a pie. No. What's this? I don't know who needs to hear this, but those without iPhones flat out ruin group text messaging. Come on. You know it. You know it. It's true. Somebody needed to tell you. Somebody needed to tell you the truth. You've been in captivity too long and everybody's talking about you behind your back. Watch this one, watch this one. This one gets a little personal, but just trust me now, I'm leading you somewhere. I love you too much to lie to you. I don't know who needs to hear this, but your holiday Crocs with all the gibbets and gibbets, that's the reason why you're still single. Somebody had to tell you. Somebody had to tell you the truth. Come on, admit it, admit it. You thinking about someone right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Holler at a boy. He tell the truth. This one's gonna get me booed. I know it, it did the previous two services. But again, I came here to tell you the truth from West West Virginia. And uh, I don't know who needs to hear this, but cheerleading is not a sport. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. I don't know who needs to hear this, but your next step requires a renewed mindset. Your next step, what God wants to do next in your life requires a new mindset. Take all the steps you want, but if you don't grow your mind, your new season is going to feel a lot like the last season you're trying to leave behind. A new season requires a new step. A new step requires a new mindset. Somebody say next step. That's why I love what you guys are doing on May the 7th. May the 7th, your pastor is calling it Big Step. Why? Because he believes in you enough to push you into greatness. Nobody changes the world through small tweaks. Nobody's life is revolutionized by little twists and turns. No, sometimes if you want to bring down a Goliath in your life, you got to take a big step. If you want to see God do the miraculous, you got to take a big step out of the boat. You got to look at a demon in the eye, a devil in the face, and you got to say, as for me in my house, I decide to break some generational curses and we're going to take a a big step. Jesus said, Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say I've built my church. 
And if all you do is come and sit and listen without any participation, all you're doing is feasting from a pool of inspiration. Ah, but inspiration without participation and application only leads to frustration. And so if you're frustrated in your spirit or in the season with God, check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? So I love the fact that your pastor's calling this a big step. Y'all gotta come out May the 7th. Child care is provided for some of you. That's all you need to hear right now. Come on, for a, come on, Jesus, for a couple hours, for a couple hours. Food, big, big step, big step. I love the fact that God asks us to do big things, right? Because he deserves it and you're capable of it. And the people around Orlando is waiting on him. God asks you to do big things. Your church is asking you to do big things. Tell the person next to you, we're a big ask church. Just go let them know. Come on, we're a big ask church is what we are. We ask big things of ourselves, of God, of people. Was that too much? That's just the way we say it in West Virginia. Too much, too much. We'll tone it down. I got it. I got the message. Next step, new mind. Somebody say next step, new mind. Say next step, new mind. Let's allow our life to look like this tennis ball here. Thank you, sir. Have you ever been in a season where you felt like, man, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. That it just seems like everything in my life is ripping and dipping and flipping it and God's got it all, right? If this tennis ball is my life, it's just like he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got whole world in his hand. And you're so excited about what God's doing in his life. He's got you and me, brother. And you know, oh man, it's just like a, like a spirit of safety and security and joy and peace. He's got me. And then life unexpectedly drops. Like you're taking your next step, you're going somewhere, but then your relationships start acting funny. You experience the betrayal from a best friend. Everything was good, but then that layoff came quicker than you thought it was. Your finances dropped out. Everything was good in your relationship until, I don't know about you, but I want what the apostle Paul had. Paul is writing to a church in Philippi. We call it the book of Philippians in our Bible. And everything was good in his life until life began to drop. Everybody say drop. People who hated his message that Jesus was alive and well after they saw him crucified began to oppose him. The Bible says that these people, they begin to assault him physically, insult him verbally. They're, they're, they're after... Uh, they're trying to stronghold him emotionally and mentally. They're trying to discredit his ministry. Everything was good until life began to drop. I guess we could say that Paul had a bounce back mentality. That things are outside of my control, but I know the one who is still in control and I don't have to be in control to trust that the one who is, he's got the whole world still in his hands. When it feels like it's out of my control, thank God his hands are bigger than mine and he can swoop down and he can hold what I couldn't even manage to begin with. He's got a bounce back mentality. I want a bounce back mentality, but if I'm honest, maybe you can resonate with me. Though I want this, what seems to happen in my life is that once things get outside of my control, instead of sticking with it, Instead of planting my faith on a firm foundation, 
I begin to dribble into a prolonged season of isolation and segregation in which I run from the very entity and people that God put in my life to strengthen me. And now I'm struggling with doubt and fear and anxiety, if I'm honest, anger and resentment. God, I took my next step. I'm doing everything I know to do. But where are you? I want to bounce back mentality, but when life sucks the energy and the faith right out of me, sometimes I create my own thunderstorms and then I complain when it rains. I want to bounce back mentality. Tell the person next to you, bounce back from that setback. Go ahead, let them know. Come on. Bounce back, yeah. From that setback. Paul has what we might call emotional resilience or a bounce back mentality. A bounce back mentality that says, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Though weeping endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. Though I walk through a valley situation, thank God that I'm guided by a good shepherd. Though people hate on me, though my enemies surround me, thanks be unto God, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies and surely goodness and mercy will continue to follow me all the days of my life until I will dwell into the house of the Lord. I want to bounce back mentality, but I can't have both. I can't bounce back from a setback and still be in control all at the same time. Something's gotta go. One more time, everybody shout out, bounce back. Paul says, let's develop this emotional resilience or soul strength that'll keep us bouncing back from our setbacks. If you're taking notes, write this down. Emotional strength, what I'm referring to is three things. I'm referring to emotional resiliency. It's the spirit that says, I won't break. Emotional control, I won't lose it when things are out of control. And emotional toughness, I can handle this. I can handle this. Emotional strength. One psychologist pointed out that our perspective determines our belief. How you see it is how you believe it. How you believe it is how you respond. You want that one back? How you perceive it is how you believe it. How you believe it is how you respond. Let me illustrate it like this. Let's say that you are on a hike and you're walking down a a path and there in the distance, there's this uh, slimy, curvy, slick looking object and your mind tells you, ah, it's a snake. And so you bounce back, you jump back, your heart stops. Maybe you speak in a tongue that needs no interpretation. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, ah, that's a snake. No, thank you. And, uh, And you bounce back from it. But then upon further investigation, you realize, ah, crazy me, that wasn't a snake. It's just a, it's, um, it's a rope that was left out in the rain. Now what happened the first time? Your perception created a belief. Your belief created a response. What is true of the rope is true in our life and in our mind. How many times did we respond from a belief that was germinated through our perspective? Watch this. Can I get real? Can I get real? Well, I thought they thought that they were better than me. I thought they were always looking down on me. They always talked down to me. And so I responded accordingly. Truth is, they were just having a bad day. But your perception created a belief. The belief created a response. Well, I thought that they were looking at me some kind of way. 
looking up and down at me. No, they were admiring your outfit. Well, I didn't think they wanted me uh, to sit next to them. I didn't, I didn't think that they wanted me to be a part of their connect group or their small group. I didn't think that they liked serving next to me. No, truth is they just had a lot on their mind. But the perception created a belief and the belief created a response. Paul says, what a horrible way to live. Misinterpreting ropes for snakes. Watch this. What though happens when we walk down the same path and the perceived threat is actually a real threat. That's what's going on in the apostle's life. This is not a misuse of his perception. He nailed it. People were really out to get him. He was really having a no good, awful, bad day. People were really trying to hurt him, harm him and discredit him. And yet he says, I can't control what is outside of my control, but I can control my belief and therefore my response. Is God in control or not? If he's in control, this perceived threat is no threat because he still has the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. You can call it how you see it or you can see it how you believe it. Paul says, my next step requires a new mindset and my new mindset must be shaped and crafted around my belief that he is good no matter the circumstance I'm walking through. Somebody say next step. Perception determines belief. Belief elicits a response. How then do we master our mindset? To master our emotional life, we must understand three laws of the mind, three laws of the mind. These are biblical laws. Law number one, the law of attention. The law of attention. The law of attention would state where your attention goes, your thoughts grow. Where your attention goes, your thoughts grow. They become more prominent and powerful. Like I was saying earlier, I have a six-year-old boy and he's all boy. He's like a hundred percent boy. I'll never forget a few years ago when he was around like, I don't know, two or three or four, maybe uh, we're walking our dog around the block. We're walking a dog around the block and the dog did what dogs do. They left a little presence behind, you know what I'm talking about? And then so Cade, Cade, Cade always enjoyed picking up after the dog. I don't know why, but as a loving father, I gave him uh, the opportunity to learn servanthood. And so, and so, and so I'll never forget, we're walking the dog around the neighborhood and it's like this hot day and it's really nasty and stuff. And then Cade gets down there and he's looking at the uh, dog stuff that the dog left behind. He's looking at it and he's like, oh, daddy, this is nasty. Daddy, this is disgusting. Daddy, this, oh, daddy, this is so gross. I want to barf. Oh, daddy, this is so nasty. And I'm thinking to myself, stop looking at it. Stop smelling it, pick it up and throw it in the neighbor's yard, you know? Like, let's just hurry up and be done with it. But he's looking at him and he's just like, daddy, this is so gross. It's a, he's going on and on and on about it. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you looking at it? Why are you smelling it? But don't we do that in life? Hey, look at this problem I'm having at work. Hey, Bill, come here. Hey, Trevor, come here a second. Michael, come here a second. Smell this. Isn't that gross? Man, that's disgusting. You want to sit around and talk about it? Man, look at this problem in my husband. Every time I, my wife, my kids, 
my job, my boss, my life, my church, my connect group. We'll sit around and we'll talk about the very thing we're complaining about. Paul says, stop thinking about it. Stop talking about it. Stop smelling it. <laughs> instead, instead <laughs> and for sure, stop inviting other people to get a whiff of it too, all right? Instead, no, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable and praiseworthy, the apostle says, think about those things because what is true of the nasty is true of the pleasant. The more you begin to think about the life-giving attributes in those key relationships, you know what? My spouse does this and that's aggravating, but I do appreciate and love the overall relationship. The more you begin to inhale and smell the fragrance of what is praiseworthy, the more joy you'll actually experience in your life. Same frustration and mental aggravation, but it's where your attention goes, your thoughts flow and grow. Somebody say mindset, mindset, mindset. It's the law of attention. What I think about will continue to grow in my mind. Romans 12 says, do not conform to the pattern, pattern, pattern of old seasons and old way of thinking in this world, but be transformed. You want a new season? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then and only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will is. And not just God's will, but God's good will, his pleasing will, and his perfect will. Paul is saying, your next revelation is on the other side of renewed mindset. Let me say this though. Right thinking has nothing to do with salvation, right? God saving us from our sin has nothing to do with being just a positive person living around cotton candy and unicorns and bubblegum drops in your mind all day. No, our salvation, God saving us from our sin has, has to do with the decision in which we realize we are sinners in need of a savior. And because I experience sin in my life willfully, there's only one who can save me and his name is Jesus. And so he took the death he did not deserve so I could live a life I could never pay. And so Jesus saved us from our sins. When we believe in that fact, in that reality, the Bible says that we are saved from our sins. How unfortunate though, is it gonna be that there, there will be people in heaven because they put their faith in Jesus, but they lived in defeat here on earth because they never allowed God to upgrade their mind. Let's live a victorious life. There's the law of attention. Secondly, there's the law of exchange. The law of exchange. The law of exchange is this. We don't just stop thinking about negative thoughts. We replace negative thoughts with biblical life-giving thoughts. Paul didn't say in Philippians 4, stop thinking about negativity. Paul said, whatever is true and noble and right and praiseworthy, think about those things. That's because scientifically speaking, our, our conscious mind can only hold one thought at a time. So think about this. Every day, we pull up to a new table called today. Every day, we pull up to a table called today and life's circumstances and situations and scenarios, it comes to our table and it hands us a menu. And we get to choose what we order from these menus. There's two menus. There's a negative menu. It would look like this. We can feast on a filet of fear 
We can feast from resentment and bitterness and boredom and loneliness and depression and rage. And we can just sit down and we can think about that thing and we can think about that thing some more and we can inhale the grotesque nature of what life has to throw uh, from this negative menu or, everybody say or, or we can, we can ask life to give us the other menu. The other menu is this, it's a positive menu and it looks like things like joy, that Jesus is still in charge of my life excitement and contentment. We get to choose what we feast from. We get to choose what we think about. We get to choose what we allow to rattle inside the corridors of our mind. When we pull up to the table called today and life gives us a menu, the Bible is saying, think about what you've been thinking about and be mindful of what's in your mind. Which menu do you want to read from? It's the idea of giving thoughts to our thoughts. That's why in uh, Psalms 48, David, he's having a no good, rotten, awful, bad day. But he says, oh God, we will meditate on your unfailing love. Life gave me this menu? No thanks. Let me pull from this menu. And what is on that menu? God's unfailing, majestic, powerful love that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He sticks closer than a brother. If you want a reminder of that, his nickname is Emmanuel, God with us. In Psalms 143, he says, my spirit grows faint within me. So he's being honest about the circumstances in his life. My heart is dismayed, but let me flip the menu. But I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. This is a challenging situation. This is a tough season. But when I think about the Lord and how he saved me, how he changed me, how he filled me to the uttermost, when I think about the Lord, something begins to change on the inside of me. Reminding my greatest fear and anxiety and worry, he still got the whole world in the palm of his hand. Everybody say, bounce back. back. Number three, there's a law of attention. There's a law of exchanging our thoughts. And then there's the law of alignment. The law of alignment. One of the most effective yet underutilized methods, especially in the church at large, is the awareness that we can act our way into the feelings we desire most. It's called faith. It's where we align our behavior with our values and we move in the direction of the desire we, we most uh, um, uh, pray for, right? We can behave our way into emotional strength. That's why Paul said in Philippians 3.14, Paul said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. The word press implies discipline, meaning that he didn't feel like it all the time. But do I want to be mastered by my feeling or do I want to take my next step in the direction of my high calling? And that is knowing God, loving God, experience the freedom in Christ and having joy that is deeply rooted in a relationship with him and is not fickle and failing by the situations that I walk through. What do I want most in this life? Feelings or faith? You got to choose. You have to choose. Watch this now, watch this now. We can behave our way into the feeling we, d- we most desire. It's called faithing your way into it. Sometimes you gotta faith it until you make it. You gotta go after it until you receive it. 
You can sit around and you can wait for feelings to be triggered by outward experiences, or you can move in the direction you've been praying for. Somebody say, take captive. Yeah, this is why Paul told us to take captive our thoughts. What is that? It's a verb in which we aggressively, with a spirit of urgency, we go after the things that are trying to limit us or, or, or still us or push us back or cause us to sit down and, and, and uh, dribble off in life. We take captive. It's a verb. Sometimes you have to verb your way into it. You have to verb your way into your faith. Watch this now, watch this. Think about the word emotion itself. It looked like this, you know this, emotion, emotion. Paul says, I can't wait around for my feelings to be my guide. I need to guard my heart and guide my thoughts. I need to guard my heart and I need to guide my thoughts. I've got to move my feelings in the direction in which they need to go. I got to take my next step and I got to renew my mindset and I can't be limited by my feelings when God has called me to be a person who doesn't walk by sight, but by faith. Watch this, 86% of the word emotion is motion. Tell the person next to you, I like the way you move it, move it. I like the way you move it, move it. Like you gotta move yourself and do the desire you want most. But watch this, watch this, watch this. Here's what happens though, right? Here's what happens. I hear this all the time. Well, you know, pastor, I just don't wanna be fake. I don't wanna be fake. Like if I don't feel it, it's not genuine. If it's not genuine, it's not authentic. And I just wanna be real. I just wanna be real. Matter of fact, I don't know of anybody who actually talks like that. It's just more fun to talk like that, but uh, uh, I just want to be fake. And uh, like I get the sentiment of what they're trying to say, but come on now, let's be honest about it. That's like going to the gym and looking at a person sweating to the oldies, trying to lose some weight and they're working out as hard as they can. And you walk up to them saying, I wish you would stop being fake healthy. Huh? What are you talking about? Fake healthy? No, they're on a journey to rediscover health. They're on the right journey. They're not being fake. They're not being phony. They are putting the disciplines in place and in play that they need to get the desired outcome. They are faithing it until they make it. It's a person that's being led by discipline. We would call that in the church world, discipleship. I choose to follow God in the right direction and let my feelings catch up with my faith. I'm not being fake, I'm being faithful. I'm not being phony, I'm being praiseworthy. I'm not being, uh, my action is not discredible. No, it's a sign of discipleship. That I'm leading myself, I'm moving in the right direction. I don't wanna be fake. No, but you do wanna be a person of faith. Is God good or not? Can he be trusted or not? Is your next best on the next side of your next yes of just pursuing Jesus? I bet it is. Paul was in prison, but instead of focusing on what he cannot control, he focused on what he could control. So what can I do? I can praise, I can sing, I can be faithful, I can lead the guards to Christ, I can do all that God has put inside of me to do. And I will keep my thoughts captive until I see with my own eyes the reward of the righteous. Let me close with this thought. Let me close with this thought. I got 10 minutes. I have a speech impediment and I've had it my entire life. I have a severe stutter and a stammer. 
It's where my mind, I know what I wanna say, but I just can't spit out the words that I wanna say. And I've been able to mask it by and large uh, because I've trained myself to to replace the word that I wanna say uh, with a different word. It's very frustrating and it's very exhausting because there's what I wanna say, I can't say it. So my mind is always looking for a different word to replace the word. I've been doing it this entire day. And uh, it's just like a normal, normal way of living for me. And uh, man, I used to get so frustrated because my kids would wanna go to Chick-fil-A, you know? And they would say, daddy, uh, I want a milkshake. And I know what kind of milkshake they wanted, but it was a word that I couldn't say. And there's some words that you can't replace because then you're not gonna get what you, you, you know? And they wanted the milkshake that is the opposite of chocolate. You know what it is. What's the opposite of chocolate? Yeah, yeah, show offs and uh, live your best life. And, uh, and uh, I can't tell you how many times I would roll up the Chick-fil-A and I'd be like, hey, um, I'll take a milkshake, please. And they would say, okay, what kind? What kind do you have? And uh, they would go through the list. And my goal was always to catch them when they said that word, I would catch them. And I'll say, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. But you know how they be. They'd be like, oh, we have chocolate and we have strawberry and we have Oreo and we have, you know, we have da 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 da. And then they would say that word. I'd be like, yeah, 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 that's what I want. That's what I want. Uh, which one? <laughs> oh, God, please. <laughs> and then I'll get frustrated and I would say, you know what, forget it, I'll take strawberry. I can't tell you how many times I left with what I didn't want because it's the only thing I ever gave voice to. And so it is in life. How many of you are walking from one season to the next season because it's the only thing you've been giving voice to? And your current season feels like the last season because all you've been doing is, is been complaining about the last season and the current season. I'll never forget it though. I had an epiphany. I'm driving down the highway. My kids are in the back. They're ticked off because they got another strawberry milkshake that they don't want. And then I was listening to this uh, worship song and uh, I was singing along with the worship song and I realized I didn't stutter or have a stammering fit, not one time in this song. And it dawned on me, if I can sing it, I can say it. And if I can say it, I can express it. And if I can express it, possibly I could receive that which what my heart was longing for. So I pulled a U-E, you all. I pulled a U-turn. I went back to the same Chick-fil-A and I said like this. She said, hey, how can I help you? I said, I'll take a milkshake, please, with an extra cherry. (laughs) And she said, "Uh, what kind would you like? I said, vanilla. (laughs) And she said, my pleasure. I want to tell somebody your next yes is on the other side of your next step and your next step is on the other side of you having a renewed mindset that says I refuse to allow this season to look like the other season. I'm not making up excuses for the stutter or the stammer of my insecurities or my life. I declare a new season and a fresh anointing over my life. God, I want all that you have for me, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything that comes with it. I trust you. I surrender to you. So I'll march and then some. I'll move and then some. For greater is he that is in me than the insecurities been locked up in my mind. And so I'll take a next step, please. 
with a new season. I just want all that God has for me. I just want all that God has for you. All that God has for you. If this message was for you, you've been dealing with some mental, I call them hostage negotiators. They're always trying to negotiate your peace and your joy, your sense of security and peace. If you would say this message was for me and God sent you from West Virginia to remind me my next best is on the other side of my renewed mindset. Would you put your hands in the air? I need God to set me free mentally. Come on, if this message was for you, put both hands in the air. Come on, if this is for somebody you know, put your foot in the air. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, to renew your mind, to increase your capacity for joy, to help you to discover God's best in your life by getting over some hurts and some habits and some hangups in your life. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all you've ever asked for, hoped for, or imagined, we declare a new season, a fresh season, a season of anointing, a season of peace, a season of joy, a season of reconciliation over your life. In the name of Jesus, God, set your people free. In the name of Jesus, remind your sons and your daughters who they are in you. God, I pray that you would introduce them to a them they haven't met yet. And what the devil meant for evil, you will turn it around and you will use it for your glory and for their good. Come on, put both hands in the air. Our worship team's going to lead us into a song. And as they do, you declare it and you receive it. The best is yet to come. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.